What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. I was just sitting here, Aaron, thinking about how I'm a little, uh, a little weary from a uh, busy weekend of travel, as you also had. I don't have your avian bird flu, but I um, <laughs> I do have two kids, which is the, the basically the equivalent, uh, you know, in terms of work and uh, workout and draining your energy. Yeah. Uh, although it doesn't sap your will to live, it actually improves it. Anyway, the point is, we're both tired, but I, I get a little juiced up by opening day in the major leagues and by a college podcast. I mean, I just I look forward to the college podcast every Monday. It's the highlight of my Monday. Yeah, it's it is a lot of fun. Uh, I'm also looking forward to it. <laughs> sure you do. All right. Did I, did I sell over. that? Let's get this over with for Aaron, who doesn't want to be here. <laughs> that was funny. Um, we had a new number one this week, Aaron, uh, and oh, that was quite a deliberation in our top ten this yeah, week. Yeah. And this was actually uh, it was uh, Will Lingo and I came out of it when I, you know we have the corridor power. Our co-editors in chief, our offices have a door in between it, so we. Uh, whether we like it or not, we have to communicate all the time, um, which is wonderful, actually. But uh, Will was very complimentary. He has not been in several of our meetings lately for reasons we don't need to get into in the podcast. But he was glad to be back this week, and he said, you know, it was really cool to be in on that meeting. He saw what he'd been missing. And so, well, actually, most of them haven't been that thoughtful or dramatic or whatever, but we had a great meeting today because we really had a lot to talk about and, and what went on with our deliberations at number one, and what to do with UC Irvine and Cal State Fullerton. First, how momentous is it for you that Irvine has gotten off to the start that it got off to in the Big West by winning series against Cal Poly with a sweep last weekend and then going to Fullerton on the cross-Orange County bus trip and, and winning two out of three this weekend? Yeah, there's no question Irvine is in the driver's seat now in the Big West. I mean, that's, I believe you like to call the catbird the seat. The catbird seat. How could, I, how could I miss an opportunity to use the catbird seat? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, those are, the, I think, the, the three best teams in the league now. I think Santa Barbara uh, is, is in the mix but is not quite at that same level. I mean, they, they've struggled a little bit. I think you're right. Um, you know, I mean, Long Beach is, has kind of bounced back from its rough start, but they're not quite in this same group. So, I mean, Irvine is is five and one in the league with the with the two toughest series they're going to play out of the way, and and one of them on the road against number one t- against the number one team in, in Fullerton. 
absolutely is momentous. I mean, it's it's uh, Irvine is is built, I think, to win three game series. That's why they've gone two and one so often this year is because That's they've right. got two really good pitchers, yeah. Daniel Babona and Christian Bergman. And and give Crosby Slot credit, their Sunday guy. He's really blossomed into a viable third starter for well, them. Plus, he's got a great college baseball. It's name. a great Crosby college Slott. baseball name. That's awesome. And and you know if they're if they're all America caliber closer takes care of business on Sunday, then they're looking at a sweep. Right. But uh, you know if that's why the Titans are, are the Titans. They're not going to give you anything. They're gonna they're gonna scrap. But uh, give Fullerton credit for salvaging that Sunday game, coming from behind to do it against Eric Pettis. Um, but uh, you know Irvine is is I think the big story here. And and we 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 had a, a long debate today in the meeting about what to do with Fullerton. Do you right. leave them? At number three, I mean, clearly they've they've played, you know, maybe they probably the toughest schedule in the country. They're still twenty and seven, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and and, you know, they've they've they're six. They've th- seven and four against top uh top uh, twenty five teams, which is a lot of games at this point. Yeah. To have already played eleven games. Let me put it this way: Arkansas hasn't played any teams that are ranked. Now, that, at the time, they were ranked anyway. Right. And Arkansas, we think, has played a solid schedule, Absolutely. which they have. Yeah. And uh, the Razorbacks have won games on the road, and they've, they're playing in a good league. Uh, and yet, you know, it's 11 games for Cal State Fullerton against ranked opponents and none for Arkansas. It's a pretty stark difference. It is It is stark. And, and so I think we both, we both feel like Cal State Fullerton is probably, you know, one of the two or three best teams in the country. And, and may, we might still both feel, John, that they're the best team out there, I mean, there, you can right? really make I mean, a in, strong in the case that they're the best team in the country. So but, e- but even after you- losing this series. But the bottom line is they did lose this series right. at home. It's played on – the games are played on the field. They lost a series. They lost at home. Even if you want to minimize the travel, it is the Orange County little rivalry. I mean, this is not like – LSU going to Georgia, winning two of three, or North Carolina going to Georgia Tech and winning two of three. It's not the same for me because it's not really a road trip, but it's not their home field. It's not their home fans. They did go on the road. I mean, you really can't minimize the start that Irvine has gotten off to in conference in that strong of a conference. And and if you compare, here's the other thing for me, is if you compare Irvine and Fullerton head-to-head now, uh, I mean, you know, Fullerton's overall record is one game better. Right. But, but. Irvine is is five and one in the league, whereas Fullerton is three and three. And Irvine six and three against top six twenty-five. Six three teams. against top twenty-five, exactly. And, and, and their, their bugaboo and, basically has been Baylor, and I think they're done with Baylor for the right. year. <laughs> and and here's to me the biggest difference right now. The reason that we've got Irvine ahead of Fullerton, the Titans. Hey, they played a really tough schedule. But they've lost two series. Irvine's played a pretty tough schedule too, and they're five and zero oh on weekends. And that that th- those those reasons were compelling reasons. And I'll be honest with you, I think the room, uh, the staff, kind of changed places a couple times on where we were going to rank these teams as you yeah. and I actually took opposite viewpoints on this one. Right. Um, but I think I was pretty satisfied with ranking Fullerton. I, I didn't think it was the best thing to do to rank, to drop Fullerton from one to six. But the more I think about it, really, I think it's the most fair thing to do because yeah. North Carolina did go on the road and win a conference series against the top 10 team. LSU did go on the road and won a conference series against the top 10 team. Right. Rice did go play Tulane. Was that on the road as well? It was well? at home, but they at swept. Home, but they swept without their number one starter, without their number two starter. Exactly. I mean, I, th- these are very impressive. Rice might have the single best freshman in the country in Anthony Rendon. This He's guy's having a ridiculous year with 10 home runs already. Uh, North Carolina has Dustin Ackley already matching his career high with 10 home runs this about year. about that? You want to talk about uh, question marks we had for teams coming into the season. Uh, this is what we're talking about. Irvine, will they have a third starter? We Crosby Slot emerging in that role. Will Irvine be able to score 
without guys like Ollie Linton and having the, the speed they had last year and that creativity. Well, as you detailed in college preview this weekend, they're still an offensive club, even without Brian Hernandez that didn't qualify academically, even without uh, Ollie Linton with some of the losses they had. Will Cal State Fullerton have enough pitching to go with its offense? Well, their freshmen, Pill and Ramirez, have really stepped up. And all these teams are answering the questions we had right. for them coming right. into the year, Aaron, which is a good segue, I think, into our, our midseason uh, preview, our midseason update, which we'll be working on uh, this week for, for this week's college uh, weekend preview. But I, I don't think either of us really saw – I think we liked Arizona State. But I don't think either one of us thought that we'd get to midseason and see the Sun Devils number one. No. And I, I, I think we if it could have happened, we both would have said, well, if that's going to happen, Josh Spence is going to have to be out of his mind and be just as good, really, in college as he was in junior college. And Ozzy, 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 oi, 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 Josh Spence has been outstanding. And with him and Mike Leake, Arizona State has as good a one-two punch as any team in the country. And it's amazing to me, and a tribute to, to Pat Murphy and his staff there, that Arizona State could lose what they lost off last year's Super Regional team and still be number one in midseason this year, Aaron. Absolutely remarkable. And uh, and, and Josh Spence, is, in my opinion, is the key. I mean, he Crikey. his numbers, John, are better than Mike Leake's numbers. And Mike Leake's having a player of the year caliber season. They are crazy. I mean, his numbers are goofy. They're like wood bat Juco League numbers. There, I am now convinced there is not a better one-two punch in the country than, than Leake and and. And Spence, um, and that means you know, like like Irvine's going to win most series because they've got two really dominant arms or, or pitchers anyway. Uh, Arizona State, same thing, two dominant pitchers. They're going to win most Fridays and Saturdays to start with. Yeah, they and, are. And, and and but Arizona State also, I think, is we're seeing this year. Again, we've talked about it before. It's a deeper pitching staff than they've had. I mean, Seth Blair shut down Cal State Fullerton this week for seven shutout innings. Uh, Mitchell Lamson, the freshman left-hander, makes his first career start on Sunday. That was a complete huge. game. That's huge. I mean, they've got they've got some more arms here, and and you know the lineup is is not as explosive as it was. Uh, I've talked to coaches who who played Arizona State, and they say, look, I mean, this is not the lineup that's going to put the fear of the God into you like last year. P- coaches say they're not as good as they were last year, but. Look at them. I mean, they're they're yeah. twenty twenty three and five. Yeah, last year, I mean, they they pulled Marcel Champagne off the bench, and the guy's hitting four hundred for a month yeah. and a half. You know, this year the guy who's kind of that analogy was Jared McDonald, a JUCO guy they got late. They didn't initially sign him. Uh, he hasn't exactly been <laughs> Marcel Champagne. Uh, you know, but they've been productive enough. Jason Kibnis is clearly proving, at least at the college level, that he can put up wicked numbers without having to be a complimentary guy. Yeah. He's been the main guy. And then, you know, the other guy that we – kind of in the Denny Green Award category, which we'll get to more later, but he is exactly who we thought he was, Carlos Ramirez. He's been a rock behind the plate for them. He's delivering a team-high home runs, uh, 10 home runs. Uh, they're better pitching, better defense, not nearly the offense they had last year, but guess what? Pat Murphy doesn't need to have that kind of thunder to generate offense. They have a tremendous walk-strikeout ratio as a team. They're a pretty efficient base-stealing team, pretty aggressive base-stealing team. Pat Murphy's teams are going to score. Now he's got some pitchers. This might be Arizona State's best-equipped team to win a national championship that Pat Murphy's had there because I don't think he's ever had a 1-2. Even back in 98 when he had Phil Lowry and uh, and uh, Ryan Mills, who was a first-round pick, Ryan Mills, sixth overall pick in 98, He's never quite had this one-two punch on the mound like he has with Spence and Leak. It's uh, it's a little bit crazy to think that this might be Arizona State's best national championship uh, team, best equipped to win a national title. But they're number one right now, and they've really earned it. 
And the only thing that makes me have any caveats about them, Aaron, is that the Pac-10 is really down this year. Yeah. So I'm almost wondering if a down year in the Pac-10 helps them or hurt them. Maybe they'll be less beat up, less uh, worn down by season's end because the Pac-10 has two other teams with winning records right now, Cal at 15-14 and and the O-State Ballers, who once again are balling uh, after sweeping Cal this weekend and re-entered our rankings. You know what reminds me of, though, is 07 when Arizona State, you know, cruises really to Omaha. Right. And, and, and I remember Murphy saying in the, in the pre, pre-tournament press conference, you know, we really haven't been punched in the nose all year long. Yeah, you're and, right. And, you know, how are we going to respond once we do get punched in the nose? And Oregon State's had bam, bam, left, That's right, it. left. And they were done. And they were done. But, you know, this team has more than four pitchers. Yeah. That team had four pitchers. Uh, Leak was one of them. Uh, Flores, Brian Flores, Jason Jarvis, who we all know, really good arm, five-cent head. Uh, and, right. and Josh Satow. And Josh Satow, who Josh Spence is Josh Satow, but a better, better. version. He is better. So this, and, I lo- and I love Josh Satow, but, but I know you do. this guy is better. Josh Spence is better. And uh, go back to the draft coverage we had the last couple of years for my uh, love affair writings on Josh Spence because uh, scouts in that area, in the Four Corners area, love Josh Spence. It's the Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel with the horrible Tom Heinsohn impersonation. That was bad. Aaron Fitt is also alongside critiquing my impersonations. Aaron, uh, I, we were talking about Arizona State is one of the bigger surprise teams in the country this year. In the meeting, you talked about our t- preseason top ten. Seven of those preseason top ten teams are still in the top ten. Only ones that are not are UCLA, Missouri, and Texas A&M, our preseason number one. And is it safe to say that uh, – a&M has been a little bit of a disappointment, a mild disappointment at this point. They really seem like they haven't quite gotten consistent yet, uh, getting uh, all firing on all cylinders yet. I should correct you there, John, because actually UCLA was not in the top ten, but uh, okay. Mi- Ole Miss is the Ole other Miss. one. Which Ole is, Miss. I mean, Ole Miss and Texas A&M are still top 20 teams. So, right. Uh, so you've got nine out of your top ten are still at least in the top 20. Right. And, and Missouri's had some Missouri problems. Just, yeah, Missouri just hasn't been – they are not what we thought they no, were. No, Missouri has been disappointing. But um, what was your question? I'm A&M, sorry. A&M. <laughs> uh, why do you think maybe A&M hasn't quite been uh, living up to the B.A. hype preseason? What, what's missing – what's the missing ingredient for the Aggies right now? Why are they not gigging them? You know, I don't know exactly because I, I, <laughs> I look at this pitching staff and, and, I, and I still think, by God – it's a great pitching staff, and and Brooks Raley has been great this year. Alice Just Wilson has been loss. great this year. Barrett Lauchs has not been great this year. So maybe that's one reason is they haven't gotten the, the rock Barrett, solid ste- steady Sunday guy. I think Barrett Lauchs gave all his karma from being named Lox to Shane Lauchs of the formerly of the Tigers, who's now somehow in the Arizona Diamondbacks weekend, uh, starting rotation. Never heard. I of have him. no idea how that happened. Shane Lauchs. Shane Lauchs was a second round pick way back in the day. I've edited way too many Shane Lauchs org reports in the, day, in the over the years. And somehow that guy is in the Diamondbacks. I think those guys got like uh, mixed up, like uh, heaven can wait. Well, heaven can wait. Body, like (laughs) your career was dead, but we're going to put his career in your body. And your career, I hope that hasn't happened for Shane for for Shane Lauks' sake, because Bear Lauks. I'm getting him mixed up. Shane Lauks has his career was dead three years ago. I thought. And now somehow he's back in the big leagues. How about it's, that? It's crazy having Kuwait reference to the day by, <laughs> by me. But anyway, but we're getting back to the Aggies. They're still seven and five in the league. I mean, they're, they're going to be fine. I yeah. mean, they're absolutely still going to compete for, I think, a, a, a regional host spot. I still believe that they played a, a fairly tough schedule and, and they've they've weathered it okay. And and I expect this team will get hot and make a run in the Big Twelve like it has the last couple of years. Um, I just think that that's the mo of this program and. Uh, looking ahead, I think I mean at Kansas State. Kansas State's been playing well, but that's a series that A and M should win. You gotta, you gotta, you better strap it up on Friday night because AJ Morris yeah. oh and eight no for K State right now, which but is I, crazy. I, here's my prediction: 
Barrett Laux is going to, uh, not Barrett Laux, Brooks, Brooks Raley is going to hand him his first loss of the year on Friday. You can't even fathom the thought of Brooks Raley losing back-to-back starts. Can I can't. You? It's, it's, it's unfathomable. <laughs> and then they're playing Nebraska, OK State at home. Those are winnable series in Nebraska. Um, to use the Will Kimmy reference, beep, beep, they're backing up. Right. There's no doubt they're backing up. Um, Oklahoma State backing up as well, four and five in the league. They've lost uh, two of their three weekend series. Really, I mean, they've only played three weekend series this year, and they've lost two of them. So. How about this? A and M only has four conference series remaining. Is that right? No, five. K State, Nebraska, Oklahoma State, Texas, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, and those last two are on the road. So at least at least two thirds of the Texas series right. are. So that'll be critical. I mean, can they? At that point, they need to be really humming along, um, and and just and you know hope that they're they're in a groove because that's a that's a tough way to finish. But the Big Twelve is what we thought it would be. It's this really has been good. a a league of death. Yeah. Uh, just no easy weekends here in Nebraska, which I think we thought was a pretty talented, solid team. Like you said, an unpredictable team, a team that's tough to get a read on. They seem to always have a junior college transfer or two who comes up uh, big. Yeah. They've struggled they, a little bit this year. Down four and eight in the league after getting swept. Mike Nesseth banished to the bullpen. He hasn't yeah. been as good as they needed him to be. Um, but Missouri only five and seven in the league, under five hundred for the season. Uh, talk about bubble watch. Missouri better get it in they're gear. Not even, they're not even to, for me. They're not even close to the bubble right now. They really got to get hot. Yeah, they got to get hot. Texas Tech is not a bubble team, but they're six and six in the league. But they're the only other team that's under five hundred. But you have one, two, three, four, five, six teams with twenty or more wins in the Big Twelve already. This is going to be a six or maybe even a seven bid league. Aaron. I think it should be. Uh, there's no there's no reason it should get less than seven. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's that's where we're headed with that league. Uh, we talked about a surprise up for me. Arizona State's a little bit of a surprise surprise in the good way. Texas A&M, a little bit of a surprise in the down way. They, they have not been quite as good. Yeah. Uh, who are some other teams, I guess, Aaron, that are a little bit better than we thought they'd be or not, not quite what we thought they'd be? Uh, Arkansas seems like they sort of qualify for that, although we did have them ranked yeah. higher than most people I don't did. think anyone else. I don't think anyone else had them ranked, and, and we did in the preseason. So, I mean, at least you know we, we saw something in Arkansas, and, and I still think that they're um, – I, I don't think they're as good as LSU. Yeah, yeah, they, they, and that's fair. They're in first place, and LSU's in second place, but I still think at the end of the day, LSU's going to go farther. Um, for me, the big surprise in the top ten is Miami. Yeah. Because if you would have told me I think you seven weeks have to ago— say University of Miami. If you would have told me seven weeks ago that the University of Miami would be you know, ranked tenth in the nation and, and um, you know, cruising along in the ACC— um, with with Ryan Jackson hitting about 270 and Chris Hernandez with about a 5.8 ERA, yeah, yeah. I would have said you're crazy. Um, those are their two best players, and and they've not been great. And and yet Miami just wins. I mean, they're 10 and five now in the league. They're 23 and eight overall. Um, they've got the Miami mystique, you know, whatever. I mean, Danny Hall told me uh, last week that that Scott Lawson, the junior college second baseman Miami brought in, is. Is the, might be the best player in the ACC that he's seen this year. I mean, he had a big weekend against them, and that's what it is. It's it's, Good grief. it's different guys have different have big weekends and, and carry them. You know, Jason Haggerty had a big three run homer this right, weekend against right. Florida State. Um, I mean, it's it's different guys step up for them each. Like, each and like week. you said, Gutierrez has been you know one of their better starters all year, and then he goes on Friday and gets lit up. Uh, doesn't even last that one inning. So, right. but they but generally then Chris Hernandez finally bounces back and gives them a good start. On they've Saturday. generally been stable on the weekend, though. Correct me if I'm wrong. With Gutierrez, Nazario, and and, and, Hernandez, and, yeah. and Hernandez. So those three guys, they've had they've they've had their starting rotation in place. 
Kyle Bellamy, as good a closer as there is in that the country. That, to me, is the biggest reason they are where they, where they are, because he has been every bit as good as they hoped he'd be. Well, nobody builds a bullpen like Jim Morris. Yeah. Nobody in college baseball. And I, I've, you've heard this rant before. If I had to pick any college baseball coach to go be a major league manager, I'd pick Jim Morris. And uh, number one, because I love impersonating him. Number two, because he knows how to handle stars. Miami's had stars. He knows how to handle players of all cultures. He, they've had his, his, a lot of Hispanic players in Miami. They've had a lot of African-American players. It's not like a lot of other college programs. You're basically dealing with white suburban kids. That's not the University of Miami's program. And lastly, uh, he clearly knows how to deal with ego. He got A-Rod to donate money <laughs> to University of Miami and build their ballpark uh, when A-Rod didn't even go to Miami. Uh, but lastly, he knows how to handle a pitching staff. You really never hear about other coaches and scouts never talk about Miami abusing pitchers, and they always talk about how well Jim Morris maximizes his bullpen. He's not afraid to drop guys down. Yeah. Bellamy's another sidearm guy. Jay Tesper was a sidearm guy back in the day. They've had many. Luke DeBold was another guy they've had. They've always had great closers. Uh, the tradition at the University of Miami was built before Jim Morris by Ron Frazier, but it's very rare to have a coach follow a legend and build on it. He didn't immediately follow Ron Frazier, but, man, Jim Morris' legacy at the University of Miami is pretty strong, and it's built on those kind of things. Players from all different walks of life, uh, players, uh, build, take guys like Charlton Jimerson, who in a lot of other programs would have been buried and run off. Uh, at Miami, he was on academic scholarship, and uh, deep into his senior year, he emerged as a star. Or like this year we were talking about, they lost the kind of talent that they lost, and yet he has replaced it and gotten players who we didn't think. Uh, this is not a team as talented as last year's roster. Not even close. And, and coached it up to, to the kind of year they've had. I agree. I think Miami's probably the biggest surprise in the country. And uh, shame on us, I guess, for not uh, giving that full credit in the preseason and, to, uh, to Jim Morris. And that said, John? The flip side. Th- is, that said, yeah. if you ask me today, are they going to Omaha, I'm saying no way. I agree with you. And like we were just reading a preview of the college basketball uh, championship game tonight, Michigan State and North Carolina. And it's like talent versus blue collar. You know, talent usually wins in that. <laughs> I almost always uh, put my money on talent. And until we hear somebody say, boy, Miami's talent really is undersold. They really are ta- as talented. Um, you know, th- I- I'm with you. I'm still skeptical of their chances to go to Omaha, but uh, they're pretty good. And their season today has been an un- uh, unqualified success. Absolutely. And meanwhile, we did rank Florida State really on the basis of reputation, uh, Mike Martin, that kind of thing. And they had a good offense. And they had a great offense on paper. But our big question with Florida State was pitching. And, right. boy, they have really uh, – the ACC is just crazy, Aaron, because it's such a, such a lopsided league with Clemson still really, in my mind, not having hit its stride. No, they haven't. But Clemson, Boston College, and Florida State tied with six losses atop the Atlantic Division. I think maybe two – maybe all three of those teams will get to uh, get regional bids, but – NC State's in big trouble. Wake Forest is in big trouble. Maryland, yeah. whatever. Those uh, three teams, obviously, are I think are. I mean, NC State, you can you can write them off now. I mean, I they, think so. right after this weekend, losing at Boston College, I think their their regional hopes are, are OVA over. You and you and Billy Packer agree. I think that they're, they're it's over for them. They're going to have to make a, a significant run here in the second half of the season. The Coastal Division is obviously where it's at with Georgia Tech, Miami, uh, North Carolina, and Virginia. Uh, that's a crazy good league. We've talked about the Big Ten. I mean, the Big 12 being as stacked as it is. We've talked about, about the Pac-10 being down. Let's talk a little bit about the SEC, Aaron. We really haven't, uh, I don't think, dwelled on the SEC too much. We've talked a little bit about LSU, Arkansas, Georgia, Ole Miss. I think one of the biggest surprises of the year is the reinvention of Scott Biddle uh, at Ole Miss, who right, last year right. was the best closer in the country, 
What did he lead the league in strikeouts as a reliever? Did he lead the he country? He led the in country in strikeouts per nine innings. That is just sick. And uh, this guy, I mean, it wasn't Steven Strasburg numbers. You know, don't get carried away here. But uh, he comes back the last two weekends now as a Sunday starter, and lo and behold, the Rebels have won six in a row. I know they blew his game last weekend. This weekend, he doesn't leave it to the bullpen. He, he's his own starter and his own closer. Uh, goes a complete game. Uh, what's been the big surprise and what's been the disappointment in the SEC for you? Well, to follow up on, on, on Biddle, I mean, I've always thought that this guy would be a very successful starter just because, I mean, you, you'd see him, you know, it really sticks out in my mind was seeing him against South Carolina last year and he comes in, you know, and he's facing a, a tight situation and he's got Justin Smoke coming up there batting from the left side and, and, and he, he freezes him with, with two or three change-ups, a really good change-up. I mean, this guy's got... He's got the changeup, and, yeah. and, and he's been able in, over the course of his career to come in and pitch six innings and, right. and sustain. I mean, he, he clearly he's can hold been, his velocity. He's never been a one-inning guy. Right. There, so, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised that he's – I'm really not at all surprised that he's he's doing performing this well as a starter. Um, and I think it was a great move for Ole Miss. I think it really energized them now because now the way Philip Irwin has pitched, he's been very solid for them. Pomeranz really uh, – Drew Pomeranz, the left-hander, gave him a good start on Saturday. All of a sudden, this pitching staff is – the rotation is is to a point where, you know, earlier in the year we were really questioning that. Right. And right. now I think it's a strength. It's it's solidified. Their offense has been very good. I mean, I think Ole Miss, uh, to me, looks like a top ten team like we thought they were in, in the preseason. Let's talk a little bit about Tennessee. Also, you had a lot about them in the weekend preview. If people miss that, boy, Todd Raleigh, the coach at uh, Tennessee, really. Uh, he took over a program in a pretty deep hole, Aaron. Yeah. From an APR standpoint the scholarship losses they have, and the way so much of their scholarship money that they do have is tied up is. in five or six players. Several It'll, of whom aren't even playing for them. They've got two pitchers yeah. on full rise who've pitched a combined one in a third inning. Yeah, uh, it's not a pretty situation at Tennessee. Are they going to drag down the rest of the SEC's uh, RPI to the point where the SEC maybe only gets seven bids? Or are they that is it that hopeless at Tennessee? It really doesn't look like it's going to – be more than they, they might have a Mississippi State and 08 kind of record. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, until this weekend at least, they've been really very competitive in a lot of games. I think, you know, they'd actually out hit um, a lot of their opponents in, yeah. in, in, in league play, and they had been in position to win. They lost a lot of close games. They played really good defense. I think they only won one error in their first nine SEC games or something like that. Yeah, they and, definitely played Georgia tight. <clears throat> played Georgia very tight the previous weekend, excuse me. And, and, and Florida and, and Auburn. I mean, really, all three, they, they've been in, in games. I don't think they're going to be as miserable. Uh, but 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 then again, I mean, it's snowballing for them. There's no they're one and eleven in the league now. I mean, you you got to wonder if hopelessness is going to set in. I think there's some off field stuff going on over there. There's th- it it's sounds like good. just a bad situation. And and you know, good luck to that coaching staff trying to to, to maximize that. I do think that Todd Raleigh is a guy who, uh, you know, he's got that blue collar mentality that you yeah. talked about. Um, I think he'll find a way to rally those guys and, and and at least make them respectable by the end of the year. But it's 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 gotten ugly. And then you got South Carolina and Vanderbilt in the in the East, Aaron, and prognosis negative right now on both these teams. Vanderbilt may have saved its season by winning that series this weekend against Florida. That was huge. That is really huge. Pardon me. Mike Miner is not pitching terribly well. What did he give up? Twelve hits yeah. in seven innings yeah. on Friday. He's, he's his stuff's been very inconsistent. To me, like. he's one of the biggest disappointments out there because I really thought this guy was going to dominate this year. I thought he was going to take that next leap and become the next elite Vanderbilt guy. Yeah. And and he hasn't. He's, you know, he's 
for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's it's because of the fact that they've had all their catchers hurt. They're in their fourth string catcher. I mean, I know that affects staffs or whatever, but the bottom line is Mike Miner has been not an All-America kind of guy as, yep. as he was expected to be. Yep, and then South CAC, as uh, Kevin Garnett called it, South Carolina, uh, this weekend they got five games, Clemson and, and at Ole Miss. That's a very tough week. Then they're home to Auburn, but then they're at Florida, home to Vanderbilt, at Tennessee, home to Georgia. That's a tough closing stretch, and they're five and seven in the league right now. They just—they've lost three out of their four weekend series. Yeah, I mean, I they think ha- they've got—they've certainly got some work to do. The fact is that they're because they're just five and seven in the league, and they're not four and eight or one and eleven. Yeah, you're right. They're—they're they're still in position to make a run, even though they've lost three out of four weekend series. I think this is likely still a, an eight bid league. That's the way things are going to work out, but. If some of those teams, the Alabamas, the Auburns, the Vanderbilts, Kentucky, boy, which, Kentucky, talk about backing up. I mean, I think this, I think this is a team that we really thought yeah. was poised to make a leap. They've been on the cusp of the top 25. I think it swept this weekend. Uh, not pretty for, for – and the middle pack of the SEC, those are good teams, but it's – I think it's clear, again, the Big 12 is better. I think it's the best league in the country this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. For at me, the there's top, no the, question. At the top, the ACC is very, very good. Uh, but the Big and, 12 and at the think, bottom is better. And I do think the ACC has has improved its depth because Boston College and Duke are much better. Those Absolutely. are potential and regional Virginia, teams. Virginia Tech is better. Virginia I mean, Tech is better. You're right. They're 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 an offensive club and they're scra- they're scrappy. They are scrappy and uh, they've got uh, Maryland they've got for arms. me is the only team in that league that's really yeah, uh, that's uh, that's soft and 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 you know yeah I know NC State's gone backwards but clearly they still have talent especially on the mound. oh yeah they they're still, still capable of beating you exactly they're still very capable still uh still still a team you don't want to see you know, yeah. still a team that's going to com- compete with you every weekend and uh, uh you just don't know which team is going to show up really for them uh, last team I wanted to mention Aaron is uh, East Carolina I think they're in the yeah. surprise up and I don't know if uh, Billy Godwin would be in our Coach of the Year discussion or not. Maybe he would be. I think our Player of the Year discussion is pretty short, Steven Strasburg and story. Yep. Um, our Coach of the Year discussion, though, at midseason, there are going to be a lot of candidates. Certainly, Aaron, Mike Gillespie is on the short list. Yeah. Um, but Billy Goodwin, Billy Godwin, the program that he's resuscitated really there at East Carolina. Talk about taking over in trouble. Taking over a mess from Randy Mazie that had been left there at East Carolina a program that had been held in such high esteem under Keith LeClaire that kind of came down in Randy Mazie's tenure where he just made some bad decisions. No question. Won some games but made some bad decisions. And uh, Billy Godwin <laughs> has really just taken that program and made it just so consistent and blue-collar. And this year, they're a team I would not want to face in a regional because they are just going to – they've shown they can hit good pitching, bad pitching, and different pitching. They can hit. It might very well be the best offense in the country. Uh, I've seen ECU a few times now. I'm going to see him probably again tomorrow against North Carolina. They got North Carolina and Rice this week. So yeah. a huge series, huge week for the Pirates. Four games against top five teams, and 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 also a game against UNC Wilmington in there. So I think a historic but I, rivalry. But I think uh, here's my prediction for this week. I think East Carolina wins at least three games this week. I, I, that's a good call. I mean, UNCW is coming off a smarting. Series sweep against George Mason. And they lost two to Coastal before that. And UNCW is sliding, but uh, East Carolina, you know, they're, they're just so locked in, and and all the way through the lineup. I mean, it starts with Trent Whitehead at the top of the lineup. He's this year's. I mean, I, I was I was wondering how they would replace Harrison Eldridge, who I thought was really a spark plug for them last year, uh, a little leadoff guy, center fielder. Yeah. But but Trent Whitehead has been even better. I mean, he's he's delivered some power. He's he's leading the the, the conference USA in batting. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he have a huge cape? Trent Whitehead? I think he had a I'm big I'm not sure cape. about that. 
I, th- I know they had an outfielder who had a huge cape for them last, last but, year. But for me, I mean, one of the keys is Devin Harris, a guy who scouts up in the, you're talking about last summer, scouts in the New England Collegiate League, raved about this guy's tools. And I've heard, I've heard scouts say that he's got a legitimate plus major league power, plus major league arm, plus major league speed. I've heard that from multiple scouts. And this guy's got big tools, but he had never performed. Yeah, he's doing it this and year. And he's really put it together for them. And I think, you know, Ryan Wood and, and, um, and Kyle Roller and Steven Batts have all, these guys have really taken steps forward, as, you know, especially Batts and, and, and Wood as seniors. I mean, it's, it's a great lineup. I think probably East Carolina and Rice, I'm prepared to say, might have the – I'm going to say it, John. They have the two best offenses out there of anyone in the country, that's and they're going, going to be, face off this weekend. That's going to be on this weekend. And, and then the thing is a big test, I think. East Carolina's offense passed one nice test by coming to North Carolina State in a big rivalry game with a big crowd on hand in Raleigh and really taking it to them. Yeah. Now they're coming on Tuesday to North Carolina, which has pitching depth out the yin-yang. Uh, we'll really see how their, their power bats match up with North Carolina's power arms. Even Carolina's six, seven, eight, nine guys, those guys throw hard. I mean, they're coming at you with Patrick Johnson and Brian Gaines and some of these guys who can throw hard, who can t- change you up, who can throw breaking balls at you, right, left matchups. North Carolina's pitching depth is right. epic at the college level. So that's going to be a great matchup. But then, like you said, uh, and we'll see what Rice uh, – will Ojala be back for Rice this weekend? Possible. Obviously not sure yet. Ryan Barry probably won't be back. No, he won't be back. Uh, but Jordan Rogers was great last weekend. So a great weekend series coming up here. Uh, in Greenville, North Cackalack, uh, with East Carolina and Rice. So it's Jared Rogers, who was who's Jared that, Rogers, who stepped you. up what on did I call Friday. Him? It was Jordan Rogers and Jared Rogers. So ah, it's easy. Okay. I've I've confused them myself this year. Okay, well I'm glad that I'm not this that, that, that big of a fool. But uh, we'll get to see East Carolina, and it's a it's a big baseball week, uh, and and I just don't forget about uh, the college uh, scene. As we'll talk to you about it every Monday here at BaseballAmerica.com. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. Again, Aaron, uh, this week you got the weekend preview with the uh, midseason update, right? Midseason update coming this week. That's going to be fun. We'll, uh, we'll invent some new categories like the David Bacani Award for Best Short Player. And uh, I like the Denny Green Award for who, they, who we thought they were. We've got to come up with some other ones uh, for that. Uh, do you, can you guess my, my David Bacani Award winner? Brooks Raley? No. Uh, no, he's not short. Come on. Uh, no, uh, who is your it's, best? Uh, it's of course. Should I give it away? It's, it J- away. it's Jamel Scott from Cincinnati. My, oh yeah, my, what my is he? Like five foot three, five foot four, and 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 just a, if anyone who watched him uh, this weekend um, on ESPNU against Louisville, he. Uh, I'm sorry, it's Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> He, he he showcased that speed. He's an exciting player. Honestly, it's 36, 24, 36, Only if she's five foot three. That's a well, sir makes a lot. Deep cut for you. Not just really that, a deep cut at all. That was just for Matt Myers right there. That was just for Matt Myers. So for Aaron Fit and for my shout-out to Matt Myers, I'm John Manuel. Thanks for joining us on the Baseball America College Podcast. Until next week, so long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.